Hey everybody, listen, if you, if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can click to, turn to with me, uh, Matthew chapter 14, and I, I really believe I have a word for you this morning. If you're walking through a storm, if you've ever walked through a storm in your life, uh, if, you're, if you're headed into a storm, I want to talk to you about navigating through the storms of life. Um, and I, I think this has a lot of application to, to us, to where we are as a society, as a culture, and maybe where we are as, as individuals. So I've entitled this message, Uncommon Courage. So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can either click to, turn to with me, Matthew chapter 14, and then Luke chapter 8, if you're like a Bible person and you like to like to be able to read it for yourself with an old school Bible, an app, or something like that. If not, the, the words of the scripture are going to come up on the screen as I read them, as we walk through this, this series or this, this sermon together. And many of you know we're, we're like in between series. We came out of, of 2 Corinthians. Pastor Eli uh, preached a message, a standalone message on trials, and we had Mimezi weekend. And this weekend, this is just a standalone message. And a lot of times in these seasons, in between series, I, I preach a burden. Many of you know that I'm a, I'm a burden preacher, uh, that I'm not an issue-driven preacher. I am a burden preacher. And so that's why we take books of the Bible, we walk through them. And then in between series, I will take something that's been burning in my heart that I just got to release that burden. So this is my burden this morning, is this issue of navigating navigating through storms of life. I don't know if you're like me, but we have walked through a lot of storms in our marriage and a lot of storms in life and a lot of storms in situations, and I've seen these principles play out. And so just real quickly, so that I know who I'm talking to this morning, anyone has any of you ever walked through a storm in your life? Would you just raise your hand? Okay, good. I'm in good company. That's like all of us, right? That is like every one of us, and I am praying that God gives you a word this morning for this issue of how do you walk through a storm? What is your part? What is his part? How do you walk through a storm in life? Now, listen, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Eli preached out of the book of James and just did an unbelievable job on this issue of trials, but a trial and a storm, they're two different things. God uses a trial differently in your life than he uses a storm in your life, and we need to understand that to navigate through this story. A trial in your life is to build something in your life, right? Uh, in, to, to give character, endurance, patience, perseverance, some of those other things. So a trial comes into your life to build character in your life. But see, a storm, God uses a storm for something totally different. A storm is meant to come into your life to what? To build your relationship with him. So that you understand who he is, that he is God, that truly he is the son of God. See, a trial is to build character. A storm is to build your relationship with him. It's interesting about a trial because usually a trial is something we've caused or something that somebody else has caused, right? It's a situation, a circumstance, and you can usually say it's because of this or whatever. But a, but a storm, storm's totally different. And it's so appropriate to be talking about this now and like this, whether this is spring or summer, I don't know. I get confused in Colorado, to be honest. I have trouble telling what season we're in. Are you like that? I've just determined that in Colorado, spring is passive aggressive. 
Right? I mean, it just has a manic, passive-aggressive personality. And so you can, you can coast along in spring in Colorado, right? And everything seems fine. And, and like, like you look at your weather app, and the next day you see all sun. And then the next day hits, and what happens? All of a sudden you get alert on your phone, like, take cover now. You're going to be struck by lightning. Or hail is coming, or winds are coming, or whatever. See, that's a storm in life. To a storm is, it's like, where in the heck did this come from? I don't even understand it. Why do I have to go through this? I, I don't get That's a storm. See, that's a storm. A little bit about the culture. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. It's a huge miracle. Um, five, uh, five, I always get it back there. Five loaves of bread and two fish. I always say it backwards, but I think that's the right way. Is that the right way? That's the right way. And so Jesus did this huge miracle to help the, the disciples understand who he was. And now, now... He sends them into a storm. So like, like three things I want to give you this morning for our storms of life and navigating through the storms of life. The first one is this. Storms come when we are in the will of God. Some of you just need to hear that this morning. Just because you're in a storm, just because you've come out of a storm, just because you're headed into a storm, doesn't mean you're living in sin, doesn't mean you're out of the will of God, doesn't mean that God is getting even with you for something. God is paying you back for something. This is storms come. We, we have to understand this this morning. If not, you will carry a lot of frustration. You will carry a lot of guilt, false guilt that God never intended you to have. When you go into the storm and you feel like, you know what? I must be out of the will of God. God is getting back, back at, at me for something. So watch this. Let's just walk through this. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately. He made the disciples get into the boat. And so that word made, just real quickly in the Greek, is like that's with force. That's not just say, hey, why don't you guys get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake? I mean, it, it's, like, it's almost like he picked them up and bodily put them in, and then he was the one like to untie the boat from the, from the, from the pier and push it off. So he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night while he, he was there alone. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the boat was already some distance from land. Watch this, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Did he not know he was sending them into a storm? Absolutely, he's God. I mean, are they in the will of God or out of the will of God? They're clearly in the will of God. He's the one that told them, get in the boat, go over to the other side of the lake. And when you look at this, you realize that, that this, is a, this is a difficult storm, and we should never compare each other's storms. I mean, a storm, if it's your storm, that's big, right? We should never compare storms, but I'm telling you, this is a, this is a major deal in life because a storm on the Sea of Galilee is major. Listen, I've, I've been on the Sea of Galilee a couple of times and, and, and headed back in 2022 and cannot wait. Hope they get everything settled out before we go. And so uh, they will. And so, uh, but, but the first time I was on the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee was like glass. 
The second time, last year, when I was on the Sea of Galilee, we had a big boat. I had like 40 people with me. We let another church join us because they weren't going to be able to experience the Sea of Galilee unless they were on the boat. And, and so we had about another 20. So we had almost 60, 70 people on this boat. And so it was a large boat. And so we headed out across the Sea of Galilee, and a storm came up. It was shocking how quickly. See, sometimes we look at the Sea of Galilee, and we say, eh, it's no big deal. It's just, it's just a lake. It's a lake for crying out loud. And we were on the lake, and the, the, the wind came up. And all of a sudden, we, had, we were like two to three foot swells, you know, waves. I turned to my ear, our guide, and I said, this is ridiculous. I said, the last time it was like glass. I am shocked this time. And he goes, he looked at me and says, Charlie, sometimes we can have 30-foot waves on the Sea of Galilee. Most boats don't survive because of the way the Sea of Galilee is, and, and it's like at sea level, and then you've got the Golan Heights that are really high. You've got the Mount of Beatitudes over here. And because, because the wind actually comes down on the lake with force. And so this, this is what they're dealing with. They're dealing with like this major storm. And Simon Peter had spent a lot of time on the water. He's a fisherman. He had spent a lot of time on the Sea of Galilee, but there was something, listen, they knew there is something different about this storm. Isn't, that, isn't it true? No two storms in your life are the same. Isn't it true when you compare your storm to somebody else's storm, it's not the same? It's just not the same. There's different variables, different things is what's happening. And so listen, when we look at this, it, it says that they had made, made some distance. And so this storm, um, they were in this storm till about 3 in the morning. And so they, the, the lake, just real quickly, the lake from the distances they were going was like 4 to 5 miles. When you, when you chart this on a map and what theologians tell us, that they had already made, they had already made about 3 miles into the journey. But they didn't think they'd made it very far. And they were exhausted because they're being beaten by the storm. They're being beaten by the wind. They're beaten by the waves. Interesting thing in Scripture, just real quickly. It says in Scripture, you can go back and read it for yourself. It says the wind was against them. One of the ways you and I know we're in a storm is when we feel like everything is against us. The situation is against us, the circumstances against us, the government is against us, people are against us, my health is against us. The economy is every, every, every listen, the way, the way that we know we're in a storm. Is sometimes we even verbalize it like everybody is against me. The circumstances are against me. There's no way that I'm going to survive. See, that's why it's important for us to remember. That's why it's important when we worship to realize that he is for us, not against us. The waves, the situations, the circumstances may seem like it is against us, but that does not mean he is against us. And sometimes we can correlate the two and we shouldn't. And one of the indications that I'm in a storm and you're in a storm, it feels like everything is against us. And then you realize that the disciples were discouraged. You know why they were discouraged? They didn't feel like they had made much progress. That's another way we know we're in a storm when we feel like I am, just, I am not making any progress here. I am not gaining any traction. You know what? That's when we get discouraged. See, they're in the storm, and this is before they had lighthouses. This is before they had lights. They couldn't even see the other side. They didn't even realize how far they... Fact is, they've always, almost made it to, like, the other side of the lake. 
storms. And you're going to see this in the disciples' life. I've seen this in my life. Storms come into our life to deepen our relationship with him. So that we know that we can trust him. We must never, in a storm, we must never judge our spiritual security based upon our circumstances, based upon our situations. That's why you and I, listen, that's why you and I, we have to stay focused on Christ. We have to stay focused on Jesus. And ju but just because you and I are walking by faith doesn't mean God's going to remove all the obstacles out of our life. There is a brand of Christianity that will tell you that once you come to Christ, you know what? He's going to move all the obstacles out of your way. You know what? We're still going to have to deal with the wind. We're still going to have to deal with the storms. We're still going to have to deal with the blizzards and the hell and all of that other stuff that comes with it. We're still going to have marital problems. We're still going to have problems with children. We're still going to have to deal with a bad economy. We're still going to have to deal with sickness. We're still going to have to deal with children and relational problems and all of those other things. And storms can come in your life, <coughs> excuse me, in my life. When we're walking in the will of God, the second thing is this. When we are exhausted, we will fight fear. When you and I are exhausted, you know what's creeping at the door? You know what's creeping at the door of your house? Fear. And here's what I've learned. Fear will let himself into your house, right? And before you know it, fear is in your house. And before you know it, fear is like in the guest room. And fear is in the living room. And all of a sudden, fear has creeped into your family. Fear has creeped into the house. And when you and I are facing or, or, or have exhaustion in life, all of a sudden, fear becomes easy. It becomes easy to give in to fear. This is what the disciples are dealing with. You've got to understand and See, that's what's so dangerous about a storm. When the storm is, is to the point to where you cannot sleep at night. I just need a good night's sleep. You cannot get any rest. I just need you to know. That's when we're tempted to open the door for fear and let fear in and, and, and think it's normative. So watch this, verse 25. So Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. <laughs> when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now we know the disciples have fear. Why? Because they're exhausted. They don't think they made any progress. So I, I got this huge question for you. Because, I, I mean, when I look at Scripture, I, I have an inquiring mind, and I just want to know. Scripture says Jesus walked on water to the disciples. So here's the question for us. Why did Jesus walk on water? Why? Like he could have hovered over them, right, on a hovercraft or whatever. He could have hovered over them. He's done that before. He could have just appeared in the boat. Hey, guys, we're going to be okay. He's done that before. I mean, he walked through walls. He's done that before. He could have gone to the other side and then with his glory lit up and say, Hey, guys, you're going to make it. Come over here and fix them a fish breakfast. He did that before, right? He could have rowed past them in another boat. Follow me. He's done that before. So the question this morning is, and a question I've had a long time, why did Jesus walk on water? Maybe we should answer it another way or ask it another way. What was the fisherman's greatest fear? 
If you know anything about a fisherman, their greatest fear is a storm on the lake. Especially in the boats of their day, normally they didn't make it. My dad was in World War II. He was in the Navy. Uh, he spent a lot of time on the war, on the water. Um, and, and then I was raised in East Texas, and so I spent a lot of time with my dad in a boat. And I can tell you, my dad never got over his fear of a storm on the water because he had been in a lot of storms. And it, it was kind of funny as a kid, and now I totally respect it, but as a kid, I didn't understand it, but we could be on the lake. And in Texas, we had these ginormous lakes where we lived in East Texas, and you couldn't even see the other side. You couldn't see the shore. And we'd be on a lake, and all of a sudden, if my dad saw a squall line on the horizon, it could be 20 miles away. And he'd look at the clouds, and if he knew the clouds were dangerous, I mean, we, we could be catching fish. And we're packing up, and we are racing. We're racing off the lake. And he had fought through enough storms in his life to where he knew the danger of a storm. So what was the fisherman's greatest fear? A storm. One of the reasons I believe, and listen, this is my personal opinion. You don't have to adopt this at all. I, I get it. I understand it. Because Scripture never tells us why Jesus walked on the water. Here's the reason I believe he walked on the water. Because remember, the purpose of a storm is to build your trust with him. Jesus walked on the water to communicate to the disciples that I am over your biggest fear. Your biggest fear that you carry in life, I need you to know it is under my feet. It is under my control. That big fear that you carry in life when you go into a storm and you feel like you're going to be destroyed, you feel like the family's going to break up, you feel like all this stuff is going to go south, whatever that big fear that you have, Jesus Christ wants you to know, guess what? I am standing on that storm right now. And I am sovereign and I am in control. The reason, the reason we go through storms is to understand who God is, to understand that he can be trusted, to build our relationship with him. Through COVID, I've heard so many stories of God's love and God's care and God's provision. And one, one of the stories is, is, is an individual, and that he would readily say that, that way before COVID, that, that, he, that he walked away from church and he walked away from God. And then he, then he got COVID. And then he ended up in the IC route. And then he ended up in the emergency room and quickly went to the IC room. So the IC room ended up on a vent. And none of his family could be around him. And it wasn't looking too good for him. And he tells of the story one night in the ICU room that it felt like God stepped in and all of a sudden he knew he was going to be okay. He had this peace that he could not explain. And, he, and he, told, he told God, he says, he said, Lord, if I ever get out of here, I'm going to radically follow you and I'm going to trust you. And as soon as he got out, he started following Christ and back in church. There's something, listen, there's something about a storm that helps us to understand who he is. Listen, I'm telling you, just like the disciples. And so it's so important when we read scripture that we don't put ourselves over the story, but we put ourselves in the story. See, when we put ourselves over the story, that's when we judge them. 
Like, I can't believe that. Jesus was right there, and they didn't recognize him. That's ridiculous. If I had a bit, whatever. But we put ourselves in the story because so many times I can, I can relate. I don't know if you're like me, but I can relate. And so when you look at this, you realize that when you and I are fighting fear in the midst of a storm, isn't it hard to recognize God in the midst of the storm? Why did they not recognize? I mean, they didn't recognize him. They thought he was a ghost. I mean, you know the reason they weren't look, rec- you know the reason they didn't recognize him? They weren't looking for him. See, that's the danger of a storm. God, this storm is so bad, there is no way you can be in this. There is no way you can be in the midst of this. There is no, God, this storm is so, see, that was the disciples. That's why in our family, listen, we've walked through a lot of storms as a family. Many of you know some of the storms that we've walked through in our family. And one of the things that we've learned that when we start going through a, a storm, we start quoting, and we'll say it a lot, we start quoting Isaiah to bring beauty out of ashes to where we start trying to recognize the beauty in the storm. We start trying to recognize God in the storm. Regardless of how, how small it is, we just need light. We just need a glimmer of hope. We just de- need, need to be reminded he is with us. Watch this, verse 27. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage. Why? Because they were discouraged. When you and I fight fear and we can't recognize God is in the midst, then, then we will become discouraged. It is I. Do not be afraid. And so the first thing he tells them is just to have courage. And he helps them to understand and helps us to understand. Listen, no two storms, no two storms are the same. Luke chapter 8, verse 23 and 27. It's another storm that the disciples go through. Another one on on the Sea of Galilee. Don't you wish we could just like go through one storm, get all the principles, and we're like good to go for life. God, I got it. I don't have to go to, unfortunately, right? It takes more than one storm for us to get this. In Luke chapter 8, verse 23, it says, and, and they were falling, and, and as they were sailing, he, speaking of Jesus, Jesus this time's in the boat, <coughs> he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm wind came down on the lake. That's a picture of, of Sea of Galilee. They were being swamped and were in danger. They came and they woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. And then he got up and rebuked the wind. Aren't you glad he didn't rebuke them? He rebuked the wind. He is for you. He is not against you. The raging waves. So they ceased and there was a calm. He said to them, where's your faith? They were fearful and amazed. Can I ask you, have you ever gone through a storm and you've been fearful and amazed at the same time? I have. When we went through Brittany's tumor, when we went through that whole deal, there were times I was totally amazed at what God was doing in answer to prayer, and at the same time, I was fearful. And so you're in good company. Listen, this is why I love Scripture, because Scripture is honest, and we can relate to it. So they're fearful and amazed at the same time, asking one another, who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. And they sailed to the region of Gennesaret, which is opposite of Galilee. And when they got on the land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in the tombs. And when, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and said in a loud voice, Why do you ha- What do you have to do with me, Jesus, 
son of the most high God. The reason God takes you through a storm is to build your relationship with him so that you know who he is. And when we walk through storms, it builds courage in our life. It builds faith. The last thing is this. We overcome fear by obedience. We overcome fear by obedience. And this, this principle in your life, listen, no two storms are the same, but I am happy to tell you the principles are the same. The principles are the same of walking through a storm regardless of what it looks like, regardless if it looks different. And Simon's Peter uh, faith gave way or his fear gave way to faith. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered, command me to come to you on the water. Now, a lot of people will make fun of Simon Peter at this point and says, what do you mean he said, Lord, if it's you? I mean, why, why would he do that? Because I'm going to tell you why. Simon Peter wanted to make sure the source of his faith. God, is this you calling me to do this? Or is this emotion? Because I'm highly emotional right now. I'm fearful. I'm amazed. I got some fear. I'm discouraged. God, I just need to know, is this me that's calling me to do this? Is this emotion? Is this peer pressure? Like my, I think this is what my friends want me to do. Was it, you know, is this, is, this, is this really, see, Simon Peter is making sure, God, are you the one calling? Because listen, I'm telling you, I have watched people walk through storms in their life, and I have watched them justify all kinds of destructive behavior by saying, in this storm, God is calling me to do this. And we all know he's not, right? Because scripture would never, God would never call you to do something that is like totally against scripture. And Simon Peter is coming back to the place and saying, God, is, are, are you the one? Are you the one that's calling me to do this? And, and, and God confirms that to him and, 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 and helps him understand that he's the one that is, that, is, that, is, that is calling him to do this. And listen, Simon Peter's the only one. Don't forget, there's some disciples in the boat. They're not even asking the question. Can I, can I just tell you just real quickly? is isn't like totally for free. It's like not in my notes. You know your biggest danger in a storm? Apathy. I no longer care about the things of God. That's my concern for this season that we're walking through. I no longer care about, you know what? Things aren't working out the way I think they should. Things are pretty difficult. We're in this storm. It's difficult. You know what? I'm going to give up on the traditions of the church. I don't really care about the things of God anymore like I once did. I don't really care about serving. I don't really care about following him. I don't really care about pressing in because you know what? Things are like too hard right now. Things are like too difficult right now. And so when you look at Simon Peter, you realize that he's trying to discern God's will. But he has some friends in the boat, and they're totally apathetic to the things of God. They're totally apathetic of walking by faith or, 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 or stepping out of the boat and just following him, verse 29. And so Jesus said to him, come, and climbing out of the boat. Now, that's hilarious to me. I, don't, I am so thankful that he didn't say, like, Simon Peter, like, jumped out of the boat. Because I think I would be like him. I would only like sling one foot out of the boat and kind of tap the water a little bit, just trying to figure that whole deal out, right? I mean, that was Simon Peter. When you look at the Greek, you realize that there was a lot of fear. He was shaking when he stepped out of the boat. And so it says, in climbing out of the boat, 
Peter started walking on water and came towards Jesus. He's the only one. He's the only one. Simon Peter had fear, but he moved and trusted God in spite of his fear. But you had a group in the boat, and they're dealing with apathy. They're like, we're not, we're not even, no, we're not even doing it. I mean, we're, 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 we're not even stepping, we're not even stepping out of the boat. And so when you look at it in storms, it's, it's obedience versus apathy. And Jesus told Simon Peter to, to come, even when it was impossible for a human to walk on water. And the miracle is demonstrated. This miracle demonstrated that Jesus is God in the flesh. And here's the crazy thing, and I think this is one of the reasons why it takes multiple storms. Faith is not a one-time thing. The faith that allows you and I to step out of the boat will not keep you there. We continually walk by faith and, and not by sight. I mean, when you look at this picture, and so the faith that it took for Simon Peter, in other words, to step out of the boat would not keep him on top of the water. He had to keep having faith. And so look at this, verse 30. But when he saw the, the strength of the wind, the strength of the storm, in other words, you, you don't really see wind, right? You see the damage caused by wind. You see the consequences of wind. So what Simon Peter is seeing is the consequences of the storm, the consequences of the damage. He was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And now when you look at this, you realize that Simon Peter, is he, he's concerned. He's concerned about his safety, and there, there's just this principle that I learned years back, and I'll tell you how, but there's this principle that says, uh, don't look where you do not want to go. And so that it's dangerous to look a direction that you don't want to go. And so, so we see this in sports, right? Like whether it's golf or baseball or tennis or whatever, that, that they teach you, whether you're throwing a, a ball or you're hitting a ball, that you first want to look at your target because your body will naturally align to that if you will, if you will just trust it. That, that you just align to your target. I learned this years back when I was doing youth at risk ministry in Houston, Texas, and we had the Latin Kings and the, the, the Latin Kings, the Bloods, the Crips, and all of these gang kids, and <coughs> we put them all together for a worship service, and I wanted to take them to see a baseball game because a lot of these kids, no one had ever taken them to see a professional baseball game. And so, but for some odd reason, I couldn't find anybody with a CDL license that would want to get in the bus and turn their back to these kids and drive them for like an hour. And so, uh, so then it was on me. And so I had to go down and get a CDL license because I, I, I mean, I love these kids. I, I, I love these kids. And so I go down to get a CDL license. And one of the principles that I learned in that, which surprised me, I'd been driving for a while. And so one of the instructors says, hey, listen, when, 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 when your car loses control, you're going to have to force yourself to look at the lane that you want to hold because you will naturally steer towards where you want to go. Don't look at the ditch. Don't look at the bridge. Don't look at the fence. Don't look at that thing that you don't want to run over because you will naturally steer that way. And so this is, this is the same truth of going through a storm. 
that whenever we start looking at the effects, the consequences of a storm, that's when we get discouraged and we take our eyes off of him. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? This word doubt means trying to go two different directions at the same time. It divided loyalties. I mean, there's, that's when doubt comes in, and Simon Peter was, was distracted by the storm, and he was looking at the storm, and he's looking at Jesus like at, at the same time. And the best part of the story for me is when Simon Peter went down, I mean, he immediately, he immediately cried out to Jesus. He knew where a source of his faith was. He didn't, like, cry out to the disciples, hey, throw me that life ring. <laughs> you know, reel me in. He didn't wait till he went down four or five times and he's just about ready to take his last breath and then cry out to Jesus. He is on his way down. Jesus catches him before he goes totally under. Verse 32, when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. The reason we go through storms is so that we can really, that truly, you're the son of God. Truly, that, that fear that I have, that storm that I'm going through, truly you're still in control. Now listen, I know if you're in the middle of that storm right now, you may have trouble with that principle. When we sang that song earlier together that said, I will see a victory, I will see a victory, depending on where you are in the storm, those words may have been hard for you. Those words may have been hard for you to even comprehend, for you to even sing, for you to even believe. That's when you know you've been discouraged. That's when you know fear is ruling you. The reason, the reason we go through a storm, so we know he's truly the son of God. Because he builds something in our life, storm after storm after storm, to where we learn he can be trusted. He can be trusted. Maybe this morning you just need to realize he's the son of God. Maybe that one word is an invitation to you. Maybe this morning you're in a storm. And you just need to hear those words, come. Just come to me. Just put your trust in me. Just put your trust in me. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?